So the book of Acts tells us, it's talking about Peter, and it says, Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. I want you to raise your hand with me if you've ever, in the past, wanted to see someone instantly healed. Raise your hand if you've, in the past or now, wanted to see someone instantly healed. And keep it up if you wanted that healing to result in them praising God. And not just them praising God, but a relationship with God where they go to the temple, where they go to the church, and where they keep going as they're going. And I believe these hands raised right now, our obedience in this will start those miracles. So we've been working through a series called Holy, 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 where we've been examining who God is, the three parts, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it's exciting because the more we know God, the more we love him. You know, the more we know God, the more we understand his power. The more we know God, the more we see the evidence of what he's doing in our life. The more we know God, the more we can see what he can do for people that we're praying for. But the thing about God is, we need to have the right attitude within us for him to do the work that he wants to. We need to be vessels that he can work through, or else we end up just blocking him. You know, that's why this message today is entitled Humble and Confident, because we'll see these are the attitudes we need to have in order for God to do the work that he wants to do through us. So Lord, as we get into your word today, I pray that it can come from you. As you are welcome here, we pray that you can speak your words to us. In my excitement to deliver this, don't let any of this seem like condemnation. Don't let any of it seem like I have any kind of grudges, but just let us all see the work that we can do through you because you have all authority in this place. You are exalted in this place and we want to see you move. So we pray this all in your name, amen. So before we get into it, and I know you're never supposed to call people out, but can we honor my friend Paul for being here? Can we honor him? Because I just want to show him some Christian love. Because it's awesome. I'm here, my friend Paul's here, and my dad's here. The three of us are together, and it's just a wonderful thing. And I'm sure you guys sitting here right now are thinking, I would have never guessed this person would be here with me. But God can work miracles and do things that we never would have envisioned. So we're going to get into the book of Acts. And before we get in, this is the point where Jesus died on the cross. This is the point after Jesus Christ was buried for three days. This is the point after Jesus Christ came back to this life. This is the point after Jesus Christ was on this earth for 40 days and revealed himself to people. This is the point after Jesus Christ then ascended back up into the kingdom of heaven. And this is after the promised Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost. This is the early church. These are the disciples. And we're talking here about Peter and John. They went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. And just for those of you who were here last week, first of all, we see ministry and community. We see Peter and John going together. And the fact that they're going to the three o'clock prayer service means that they not only repented of their sins, but they're fully accepting Jesus Christ as their Lord because they're living out their faith. But then we look and we see, we need to understand the mindset we have in this. That 
in order to do God's work, we need to have humility in us, which is having or showing a modest or low estimate of one's own importance. You know, not thinking too highly of ourselves, not thinking that we're the ones responsible for the work that God is doing. And we're going to see how Peter and John have this attitude. So the text tells us, as they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was carried in. And each day this man was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Because this man, who was placed by the gate, realized who Peter and John were. You know, they were two of the most prestigious disciples of Jesus Christ. And Peter and John had the opportunity here to say, you know what, we're going to show you Christ's love. We're going to give you money. We're going to make your day. And it's going to show how God loves you. Because, you know, this man would have been feeling like an outcast in society. His worth would have been about down here. Because since birth, he saw people doing ordinary things and he wasn't able to do these things. So Peter and John had an excellent opportunity here to say, look what Christianity can do. Look how we can give you money and be nice to you in this place. They had every opportunity for the people to say, look at us, you know, for the spotlight to be on them. So we look. And Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. But the thing is, Peter doesn't say, look at us in the way we would imagine. You see, this man would have been sitting there with his head down. You know, have you ever been in a place where you felt like you didn't belong or a place where you felt like everybody was greater than you? We tend to walk around with our head down. We tend to not want to look people in the eye. And when Peter said, look at us, it was as if he was lifting this man's chin up and saying, you are equal to us. I am humble and that I am only here because of Jesus Christ. And Peter's saying, you are in this same situation as I am. So then, the lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. Because why not? You know, these were like the top Christians of the day. So if Peter says, look at us, this man like pops his head up and he's thinking, I'm going to get some money from these people. You know, it only makes sense because they want to show the love of Jesus Christ. So this man is thinking that his, it's his payday. You know, in this situation, you would think that God could bless him so much. But then we see, Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you. And the thing with our God is that, you know, we often want him to provide for us in the moment. We often want him to say, here, I'm going to make your day with this blessing. Or if this man would have received a lot of money, you know, I'm going to make your week with this blessing. But God doesn't just want to make those little impacts on our lives. God wants to say, here, I'm not just giving you this little bit, but I'm going to turn your life around. I'm going to give you the fullness of life that I promised you. The fullness of life I created you for, I'm going to give you. So God didn't want to just give this man a little bit of money, but he wanted to restore this man. He wanted to heal him and bring him back into a place of dignity in this world. So look what it says with me. Peter says, I'll give you what I do have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And when he says this, he's not saying it in a selfish way because, you know, he's not trying to make himself important. When he's saying, 
in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. He could have said, in the name of one of Jesus' most prestigious disciples, get up and walk. He could have said, in the name of the one who walked on water, get up and walk. You know, he could have said, in the name of the rock on whom the church will be built, get up and walk. He could have said all those things, but he didn't. He said, it's not about me. It's about, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Peter got out of the way for God's power to be displayed in this instance. And, you know, God wants to work through us in powerful ways like this. And just a little foreshadowing, the miracle did happen. But in order for God to work through us, we need to be humble. You know, we need to have the right attitude. Have any of you ever felt humbled by God where it was like you thought you were up here and then he brought you down here real quick? You see, sometimes God wants to humble us to reach us because God wants to reach every single one of us and sometimes to reach us, we need to be humbled. But then in life, God wants to humble us in order to use us because in order for his power to be displayed, we need to get out of the way and be humble and say it is only by the blood of Jesus Christ that you're healed. It's only through him that this miracle can happen. You know, think about Peter. You know, he's not standing up there as one of the most respected disciples who's never made an error in his life. Think about when he was walking on water. What if he wouldn't have lost his faith? What if when he started losing his faith, Jesus Christ would have saved him and said, no, you're not going to sink an ankle into this sea and just let him miraculously get to the boat or to dry land. If Peter would have stayed on top of the water the whole time, he may have felt like, you know, victorious in himself instead of humble before God. Or think about Peter towards the end of Jesus Christ's life. He said, I am with you through thick and thin. I'm with you through everything. He said, even if I have to die, I will stay by your side, Jesus. And then just a little while later, when he's warming himself by the fire, he says, I don't know that man. I don't know that man, Jesus. I swear to you, I do not know that man. And then I'll tell you, Peter was humbled again in that moment. And even though those might have seemed like failures in the moment, that humbling process is then what allowed God to work through Peter so powerfully. And we need to be humbled in that same way because what happened when this miracle came to fruition, it says people saw, Peter saw his opportunity after this miracle happened and he addressed the crowd. He said, people of Israel, why are you so surprised about this? Why stare at us as though we made this man walk by our own power or godliness? He's saying, why are you looking at us for this miracle? For it is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob the God of all of our ancestors who has brought glory to his servant Jesus by doing this. You see, he's moving the attention to Jesus Christ. And then it says, through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed. And you know how crippled he was. You know the kind of shape he was in before this. Faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. Nothing about me, nothing about the disciples. He's saying, faith in Jesus Christ alone has healed this man. And now Peter's at the point he needs to be at. Because I believe back a year or two ago when he was one of the disciples, he wouldn't have answered this way. But now that he's living his life how he should be humble, he's able to respond in a manner like this. You know, he's able to show that it's not about himself, but it's about the work that God is doing. We're in the middle of a campaign here at the church called 651, where we're 
understanding that each person matters. That when we're trying to reach this world, we know that God loves each individual so much that we want to keep reaching more people with his love, with his forgiveness, with his grace. And I believe that God wants to work through our church so powerfully. But the thing is, as an entire congregation, as a whole church family, we need to have the right attitudes to go about this. You know, there's a verse in James. It tells us God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. You know, if we right now are sitting here proud, I don't think that God will want to work through us because he won't get the glory. If when momentum starts building and this place starts getting full, I don't think God will want to work through us. You know, if we get prideful at the end when the accomplishments happen and this place is bumping and full and everything's perfect, then I don't think God will want to work through us. He wants us humble each step of the way, showing that it is you, God, doing this and not us. You know, some of us in this room, we need to be humble and comfortable with the fact that our efforts aren't going to be seen by other people in this church. You know, maybe it's coming in early on a Thursday and putting all of the songs and lyrics and everything else in the computer. Maybe it's downstairs in the kitchen where nobody sees. Maybe you're at home praying for this church. You're praying for people to come and no one ever sees the prayers that you're praying. We need to be okay knowing that we're not going to be seen and we don't need the glory and honor. You know, maybe some of us in this church need to be humble in a way that we're going to take a tiny step back to empower the younger generations. To say, you know what? My time is here. I have been doing this for a long time. I need to show the next generation how to do this. Even if they might be a little bit worse than me. Even if it might mean me getting a little bit less of the spotlight. These younger people need to learn how to do these things. And some of us might need to learn to humble ourselves to change in general. We might think, man, it's crowded in here. What happened to this church? Oh, why is that person sitting in my seat? You know, some of us might have that reaction. And we need to be able to say, you know what? It doesn't matter if somebody was an original here. It doesn't matter if they started showing up today. We are all equal in Christ. Don't you remember that parable where you know, the workers start at different times throughout the day, then at the end of the day, they all receive the same wage. That's how it works with God. We are all equal in Christ. It doesn't matter if someone comes in today or has been here for 80 years. We're all equals. But we just need to have this attitude. And some of us might even need to realize that even though we put work into this, we might not see all of our work come to being. You know, we might not still be at this church or on this earth when God does the things that we can celebrate here. And we need to be okay with knowing that we don't need to receive any glory from what happens. It's all about God getting the glory from it. You know, the church needs confidence which is the feeling or belief that one can rely on someone or something, a firm trust. You know, what better person, what better God can we rely on than Jesus Christ? You know, to put a firm trust in him and to rely on him. Sometimes it just seems so easy to feel lost in this world, to feel like we don't have any confidence. And you see so many people in society these days walking around with no confidence. And I will say, 
that if somebody is far from Jesus Christ, they shouldn't be filled with confidence. You know, how can you be filled with confidence if you aren't living the way that you should be? Because on the day of judgment, when we all see our creator, we're not going to have confidence in ourselves. Our only confidence comes from the blood of Jesus Christ dying for us. You know, our only confidence comes from our relationship with him and God seeing us as righteous because of the death of his son. I want to show you how vital confidence is. This is what we looked at already. Peter says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. But that's not the end of the story. Peter takes this lame man by the right hand and he helped him up. Now, have any of you ever prayed for a miracle before? You prayed and prayed. Here's the thing. I've prayed for miracles before. And I'd say the prayer, I'd get into it, I'd be praying, then I'd say amen, and I'd kind of like peek open my eyes and be like, you healed? Did it work? And then, you know, I would give God about a 10% chance. I'd think, you know what? You might be healed this time, but I kind of doubt it. And then sometimes I don't even want to pray for people because I don't want God to not show up or I don't want... You know, the, the people to lose their faith because, man, you prayed for healing for me and nothing happened, so that must mean God doesn't exist. You know, there have been times that I backed off of praying. But look what Peter did. He prays this prayer, and then what he does, he reaches down and picks this man up. You know, he grabs him by the right hand and he helps him up. He doesn't know if this man's healed yet. He just knows that this man has been lame since birth, and he pulls him up, thinking that, you know, I have confidence in God, you're going to be healed in this situation. So then the text tells us, and as he picked him up, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. So the text doesn't say, as soon as Peter said amen, the miracle happened. It doesn't say the miracle happened through the wonderful prayer that he prayed. It says that Peter has faith to grab this man by the hand and pull him up. And as he's pulling him up, he's instantly healed in that moment, in the moment of action and confidence that Peter is doing. You know, when do we have that kind of confidence? When we pray for someone and then we know that they're healed in that moment. And this wasn't just one-sided. You see, this man, he had not walked since birth. He's sitting there. And Peter grabs his hand, and he helps him up. And you would think that this man would be like, well, hold on, Peter. We're going to make sure these legs work. And then, like, he'd try and figure out, like, okay. Like, you know, he'd be feeling a little bit shaky, and he'd be saying, okay, I think this is going to work. I think, but just hold on, Peter. Like, I need to make sure that God's actually working here. He didn't do that. The text says that even though this man had never walked before, he grabs him by the hand, this man stands to his feet and he begins to walk. And I believe that he had some attitude to this walk because then it says he was walking, leaping, and praising God and he went right where he belongs into the temple. You know, this man goes to the house of God to tell people what God has done for him. I believe this man's life was never the same, not just for his physical miracle though because his mind would be forever changed because he saw God show up in his life. You know, it doesn't matter that he can walk or not. That's meaningless in this. What matters is that he is now in a relationship with Jesus Christ and he's going into the temple with him. But one thing that I really want to mention is sometimes as human beings, 
we see such a distinction between our life on this earth and our life in heaven. We see them as two completely different things. But I don't think that God views them that way. I think that when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and we're a new creation, God sees us as having one life that extends into heaven. Because the fact of the matter is, when we pray for healing, sometimes that healing will not happen on this earth. Sometimes it doesn't. You know, sometimes God chooses a different way to heal us. And instead of healing us and saying, you're healed, now, work through the trials and troubles of this life. You're healed and work through the difficulties that this life has in store. Sometimes God says, you are healed in this moment. Come inherit the kingdom I have prepared for you. You know, sometimes God says, you are healed. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You can now enjoy the righteousness that I have earned for you. You know, in our heads, it doesn't make sense why we pray for healing and sometimes it doesn't happen. But I promise you that every time we pray for healing, healing is answered. It just might not be exactly where we're looking for it because God has the bigger picture than us. We only see this little part, but God sees the whole thing. It just seems like there isn't as much confidence in Jesus Christ as there should be. It seems like in the church these days that we just walk around kind of trying to act like this world. You know, it's tough for things to change in our lives if we're here for one hour twice a week, twice a month. You know, if we're hardly spending any time with Jesus Christ, it's hard to show a witness to this world. I spend a lot of time looking at different church websites and things and see what they do. And one of the common things is churches will say, you know, we have practical teaching. We have a comfortable environment. Come as you are. We tell people it looks just like the rest of this world looks. You know, all that stuff, like it means well. But Jesus didn't come to this earth for practical teaching. Jesus came to this earth to turn it upside down and say, this is how I love. It's not by taking the power, but it's giving up the power and submitting yourselves to God the Father. You know, Jesus doesn't want us just practically teaching. Jesus doesn't want 10 steps to be a better blank. Jesus wants to show how we can transform this world in his name. You know, sometimes I fall into the trap, especially in this 651 campaign of thinking, if our music's just a little bit better, that's going to bring in the crowds. But the fact of the matter is, about three clicks on our cell phone, and we can listen to better music than we could ever hear up here. You know, professionally recorded with everything perfect. Sometimes I think, you know, if the, if, if the preaching's just a little bit better, that's going to fill this place up. But it's the same thing. You do a couple clicks on your phone, you're listening to Michael Todd for about an hour, and everything's good in your life. <laughs> Getting in some of your business. <laughs> it's the same. Sometimes I think, like, if we just have better coffee here, if we have a more welcoming environment, there's places within 10 minutes of here that have better coffee. You know, sometimes I think if the kids just have a place to have a ton of fun, like, <laughs> families are going to come here. But the fact of the matter is, like, they can go to Seabase, they can go to Chuck E. Cheese, they can go to Sky Zone and have more fun than they'll have here. So even though we're striving for excellence in all areas, 
we cannot try to compete with the secular world in their ways because our big difference is that we have the presence of God here. Like the presence of God is what separates us from this world. That's what brings people here. That's what changes their lives. And that's what changes people's eternal destiny. You know, we talk every week about showing people Jesus, which is wonderful. But sometimes we think, if I'm just kind to that person, that will be showing them Jesus. Or we think, you know what, I might even invite them to church because that is showing them Jesus, which that's not wrong. That's how we should be acting. But we also need to be showing them the real Jesus Christ because the real Jesus Christ said, the Lord's spirit has come to me. He has chosen me to tell the good news to the poor. You know, we need to be out there giving the good news to people, showing them love, because the real Jesus Christ has been sent to announce freedom for prisoners. You know, we have no longer, we have no problem in here singing, I'm no longer a slave. But then when we get home, we can have such a problem with it in our own lives. You know, we can have such a problem going out into New Stanton and saying, you don't need to be stuck in this addiction anymore. You don't need to be stuck in this sin because there is freedom in the name of Jesus Christ. You know, showing people Jesus is more than just saying, you know, have a nice day. It's about working, allowing God to work through us to change this world. You know, to give sight to the blind, to free the people who suffer. God's power is at work in this world. We just need to be able to be humble and confident so God can use us, so God can work through us. Because Jesus Christ says, this is my time. This is my time. I want all people to meet and he will help us in this process. But my last warning for us, when things start going very well, when we start reaching the people of New Stanton, when we start seeing things change, when we start seeing freedom for people, when we start seeing miracles, when we start seeing all the things that we prayed for happen, there's a danger. Because look what happened after this miracle. All the people saw this man who was lame from birth walking and they heard him praising God. And when they realized he was this lame beggar, they were astounded by this. People in the community are going to be astounded by what happens, by the work that God's doing. So it says the people rushed in amazement to Solomon's colonnade where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. So these miracles happened, the people were amazed, and this man who was lame from birth was right next to Peter and John. And Peter and John were in a place where they were humble enough to say, no, don't be looking at us. You be looking at Jesus Christ because he's the one who did the miracle. And when people start coming to this church and saying, how's this stuff happening? How's this happening? How's that happening? We can't be the ones saying, well, you know, I practiced like an hour more this week. Or I tried to work on my sermon a little bit more to make it better. You know, we were here real early to turn the heat on so it was the right temperature. No, we say the work that is being done is through Jesus Christ alone. And he can do the work in us and through us because he's the one responsible for all of this. So the band, you guys can start coming up now. And just a special request for this week. I asked for the ushers to go ahead and just leave the offering boxes back by the back doors. And as you leave, you know, remember how much God cares about our heart. You know, he wants us to be generous. He wants us to bring his whole tithe back. He wants us to say, hey, bring what's important to you to me. 
and see that I don't throw open the floodgates. See that I don't bless your life so abundantly when you show that you're willing to give me something so valuable to you. So when we go through this last song, it's interesting because each day of this week, literally every day, I had the full intention of messaging Morgan and saying, hey, can we um, switch Waymaker to the last song? Because I thought, you know, I want people leaving here energized. I want people leaving here happy and seeing what God can do and all this stuff. But something didn't feel right about that. Because I thought, you know, we don't want people leaving here saying that was a really good song. We don't want people leaving here saying, man, the band killed it today, they were awesome. We don't want people leaving here saying that was a really good sermon or the coffee was good or the people were wonderful. We want people leaving here saying, I experienced the presence of God. We want people leaving here saying, I found freedom from my addiction today. I could breathe for the first time. You know, we want people saying, I experienced God's love so strongly that I never want to go back to my past life. And that's what we're going to do in this moment. You know, I believe that some of us will feel it in our hearts and I believe that some of us need to come up to this altar during this song because just like we talked about in the miracle with the lame man since birth, the miracle didn't start happening as he was sitting. The miracle started happening as there was confidence that it was going to happen, as he was being pulled up. And I believe that for some of us here who need a miracle, when we start making our way to the front, that's when the miracle is going to happen. And don't worry about people seeing you. The lights will be off. But even more than that, is not our time with God more valuable than what one random person here might think of you? You know, this is a time for us to be alone with God, for us to be sitting at his feet, giving him something special, giving him everything from us. So I invite you to stand. And as we work through this song, you know, some of us will feel this pull to come up to the front. And I am telling you, please do, because you'll never experience anything like it. And some of us will need to go to other quiet places in this room. And it might be a good idea just to kind of separate yourselves from the people around you so there's no distractions. But Lord, we turn from our sins. We turn from them and we turn to you as our savior, declaring you as Lord of our life. We're humble in knowing that we cannot fix the things in our life on our own, but we have confidence that you can do them, Lord. So we pray for you to be in our midst here. We pray that as we're at your feet, that you can do the work in us that you created us for, that the individuals you designed us for can come out during this moment and that we can experience you. Because we're just caught up in your presence. We're caught up in your presence in this place.